This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Chicago's primary election is next month, or this week if you vote early. On the ballot, you'll see what's known as the Bring Chicago Home Ordinance. It's an initiative to increase the city's budget for homelessness prevention. Now, the extra cash would come from raising the one-time real estate transfer tax on properties worth more than $1 million. What do you need to know about this ordinance? How would it work? And how could it affect the real estate market? Well, I sat down with WBEZ city government and politics reporter Mariah Wolfel to find out. But first, she started with some breaking news out of City Hall about ShotSpotter. The mayor has announced that the city will end its multi-million dollar contract with ShotSpotter, which has, um, uh, you know, been a controversial contract uh, that organizers and progressive city council members say is over costly. It's ineffective. It leads to the over policing of black and brown communities, all while, you know, not being an effective tool. Um, it's a it's a shot spotting technology and the mayor campaigned on ending this contract. So the contract is actually up this month. It will be renewed until September and mm-hmm. then the city will let that contract expire. Um, you know, the office of the city's office of inspector general has come out with reports analyzing shot spotter saying that it rarely leads to investigatory stops or um, helps solve gun crimes and so this is a big win for progressive organizers and it's another campaign promise that mayor brandon johnson could kind of you know put under his belt and say right i made i made good on this and we'll have more on this uh, tomorrow on reset Thanks, Mariah. Uh, So let's do a a bit of a crash course here on Bring Chicago Home, because I know that folks have heard us talk about it here on the program. You've, of course, reported on it uh, for WBEZ. So back to the beginning here. When did Bring Chicago Home launch that campaign? Yeah, yeah. And thanks for having me on. We came out with, you know, a a pretty in-depth look at the campaign's for and against that I would um, urge people to read as they're early voting and getting ready to cast their March 19th ballot. So this is a campaign that's, you know, roughly six to seven years old. It's a coalition of people who are homeless, have been homeless. Um, It's progressive community and policy groups. Bring Chicago Home itself is an organization. And Um, It works closely with the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, which is, you know, the city's preeminent homeless advocacy group. Mm -hmm. Um, They're a major part of the campaign. You also have political groups like United Working Families who work with Bring Chicago Home. And this is a policy that, again, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson campaigned on and supports in office. What do voters need to know then about it? And would the ordinance change city taxes? 
Yeah, so so um, I could talk a little bit about what this would change. Currently, this is a change to the city's real estate transfer tax. And the city, a, a real estate transfer tax is a tax paid by the buyer of a property when, when you're buying. So if I'm going to look and to buy a storefront building, for right. instance, I'm going to pay the price of that building plus the f- current flat real estate transfer tax, which is 0.75% of that sale. And that tax goes to the city. Um, And this policy would change it from a flat tax to a graduated tiered system. So if you're buying a property that's valued for less, you're going to pay less um, on that real estate transfer tax. If you're buying more, then then your tax is going to be a little bit higher. And so how this would change is property valued at less than a million dollars would see a tax cut from mm-hmm. 0.75 to 0.6. Property valued at more than a million would see an increase. So between one and one and a half million, that would increase to 2% and over 1.5 would increase to 3%. And I just want to be clear here, only the amount over $1 million gets taxed at the higher rate, while the amount under $1 million gets taxed at a lower rate. So for a property that's $1.2 million, mm-hmm. for instance, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to pay um, points. I'm going to pay the lower rate for the million for dollars. The first million. For the first million, I'm going to pay 0. 0.6 instead of 0. 0.75. And for the 200000 I'm going to pay 2% instead of 0. 0.75. And so it kind of, you know, it, yeah. it's it's a it's a two-part calculation. Right. Good of you to make that uh, that distinction. So how does the city currently fund affordable housing? So, you know, the city does not have a dedicated revenue stream for homelessness prevention, and affordable housing is a huge part of preventing homelessness, obviously. Right. Um, in, in Chicago, affordable housing is funded through a mix of federal front funds, grant dollars, and money from special taxing districts known as TIFs, tax tax increment financing districts. Um, And, you know, people who have long worked with the city, um, within the city's housing department, have said that makes it really difficult to to kind of like take a piecemeal approach to putting together a funding for one single affordable housing project, let alone coming up with an entire capital plan for for the city of Chicago or a comprehensive plan based on need um, when you don't have a dedicated revenue source. So Bring Chicago Home is focusing on real estate transfer taxes. Now, we know revenue from that varies year to year, right, depending on the state of the real estate market. Would this impact the city's ability to provide long-term support for the unhoused? Well, that's right. This is a pretty volatile tax, um, and, and that would come with its challenges if this is approved. You know, Johnson's own administration this year forecasted that revenue from the tax would be about under 30, 37 about 37% under budget from last year Mm -hmm. um, because of a slowdown in the real estate market. And so this tax is dependent on what the real estate market looks like. Um, And opponents have pointed to that as we shouldn't be relying on this volatile tax um, in order to fund homelessness prevention. And the response to that, I think, from organizers and supportive aldermen is that, you know, it is potentially not enough some years, but it's better than nothing. And it's a, a dedicated revenue stream that we can rely on regardless of, you know, whether it's over or under budget um, and that, you know, we, we might not know what the real estate market looks like on any given year, but we, we also know that we have 68,440 unhoused Chicago residents right. um, and not enough money. And so this is one way to that that the city has control over to get a progressive tax to help with that problem. Uh, So how would 
bring Chicago home. Let's zoom out a little bit. Let's talk more about its impact on mm -hmm. our real estate market here. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's hard to determine what the impact would be on the real estate market, but I can tell you a little bit about what the concerns are. So one, organizers, I should note, organizers and aldermanic proponents say that 93% of all property sales in Chicago actually fall under that $1 million threshold that would be seeing a tax cut. And so what that means is that this tax increase will largely be falling on, you know, commercial property sales and large apartment buildings. Um, and that's a huge concern for opponents and, and some voters too. Um, opponents are concerned that um, this falling on commercial property sales will exacerbate, for instance, vacancy rates in downtown Chicago because it's another price to pay when you're thinking about buying a building yeah. in the city. Um, and they they argue further that downtown buildings are already being sold for much less than they're worth, and they fear that that will exacerbate this trend as well by adding to the cost. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you may think, like, who cares if properties downtown are being valued at a lower rate? That doesn't affect me. I'm a homeowner or renter in Ukrainian Village or wherever in the city. But, you know, the Cook County property tax system is interconnected. So if properties downtown are valued less and therefore bringing in less property taxes for the city, that difference has to be made up elsewhere Somewhere. because the yeah. city relies on its, you know, lot of property taxes each year to pay off pensions. And so opponents argue this will eventually trickle down to homeowners and renters too. Um, so renters could be affected by this ordinance too. So actually that, so I, you know, those are concerns, those are estimations, those are arguments being made by opponents. Like I said, it's very hard to determine what right. the actual effect of this will be. And, you know, we spoke to one professor who did a analysis at the University of Chicago, and he said something I thought was wise, which is that, like, voters are being given the choice to weigh competing crises here, being homelessness and potential concerns about the real estate market. And that's that's something that you have to weigh. When it comes to how renters are affected, that analysis actually showed that the impact on rent would be minimal um, because so much of this will fall on commercial properties. The mm -hmm. analysis estimates that the tax increases impact on rent would mean that for a unit that currently rents for $1,000 per month, they would like renters would likely only see an average rent increase of less than a dollar. Okay. Um, and so th there's kind of the most objective answer that we have on whether this would trickle down based to on what we know so far. Right. right? Uh, so, I mean, to that end of what you were mentioning before of, you know, opponents, uh, that coalition of real estate construction and business groups uh, last month filed a lawsuit, uh, you know, asking a Cook County judge to strike, bring Chicago home from the ballot period. Help us just understand what went into the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is, um, you know, the groups are alleging that the ballot language combines multiple questions and that that's in violation of state law. Um, and those multiple questions they're referring to are whether to lower taxes for under a million and whether to raise them. They say that those are two questions and, you know, they also accuse the city of log rolling, which is the practice of passing unpopular legislation by pairing it with something popular. So passing a tax increase by pairing it with a tax cut. Um, you know, proponents and supporters of Bring Chicago Home call this a desperate uh, last ditch effort. And, you know, we have a hearing on this tomorrow. And so we will maybe get a better idea of how yeah. a judge is going to rule on this, potentially and how get this a is ruling. Impact voting in right, the primary. Right. So the Illinois, the Chicago Board of Elections, which is actually a named defendant in the lawsuit, um, 
it says they're moving ahead, full speed ahead with business as usual, assuming that this is going to be on the ballot because it's much easier to print the questions and send them out and then, you know, not count that answer than having to send out new ballots. And so if you are getting an early voting, if you're voting by mail, if you're voting early, you will be expected to vote on this question, you know, regardless um, until we get further notice. And if it passes, when would Chicago voters expect that the change would go into effect? Yeah. So I don't know if I mentioned, but what Chicago voters on voter, what Chicago residents are voting on is whether to authorize the city council to pass this legislation. And so this is not binding in the sense that Chicagoans are making it law on March 19th. They are giving the city council the authority, the permission to pass this. And so if this referendum is approved, this would have to go back to the city council. They would have to debate and, you know, vote on actual legislation that codifies this into law. Um, Johnson's budget director estimated that if this passes, the tax would likely be effective effective next year in 2025, and that revenue would start to be budgeted in 2026. We'll leave it there. That's Mariah Wolfel, WBEZ city government and politics reporter. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Ellie Gilbert Bear, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and mixed by Brenda Ruiz. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the pod so that you never miss a conversation like this one. If you learned something today, consider leaving us a rating too. That'll help us share local stories and national news to more listeners like you. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.